Good morning, church. It's so great to be with you guys, and, and uh, I, I just want you to know, and I'm, every time I get to preach in English from now on, I, I, I need y'all to know how big of a, of a blessing this is to be with you guys, and um, to be able to preach in a language in which I'm a little bit more familiar with uh, makes it a little bit easier. So keep praying for us in Spanish. For those of you that don't know, my name is Adrian Castillo. I'm a pastor here on staff. Uh, um, I'm the lead pastor of, of Grace in Español. And uh, we just planted our Spanish-speaking congregation in November. And uh, the reason I say that about my, my language is because I'm, um, Spanish is not my first language, as you can tell. Um, and so we, uh, we planted the church, and, and it's, it, God has been so faithful with that. And we gather here at 9 a.m. in the mornings, and, uh, and it's been so, just so great to see what God is doing in our Spanish-speaking community. But each time I get to come back and, and, uh, and preach with you guys or be with you guys here in English, it's... it's uh, it really is. It's just I, I'm, I'm emotional already. So I'm already an emotional guy, and I'm emotional already. So uh, some of you are going to think I may be a little loud. Others of you, that's going to keep you awake. Um, and then, um, but others of you, uh, hopefully, we get to hear the voice of God in our hearts today as we continue our series in the God of Provision. Um, so we're going through the God of Provision. Last week, we learned that God provided a manual for us in our living with him. And really what this manual is and what the scriptures are, the Bible of God, if you really want to just kind of uh, sum it up into two things, it's very easy. The, the, the word of God is meant to help us learn and understand how to relate to God and learn and understand how we're to relate with others. Right? That's why Jesus says that the greatest commandment is simple. It's that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And he says, and the second one is like it, that you would love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Right? And so what Jesus is essentially saying is that the entire scriptures, all of the word of God is centered around two principles. How can I as a sinner come to relate with a perfect God and a holy God? And how can I now in this new relation with, uh, relationship with the holy, perfect God now learn how to relate with other brothers and sisters here in this world, right? And so that's what the manual does for us. Two weeks ago, we learned from Pastor Eddie that God has provided a new, uh, um, uh, a new purpose for us. He's provided that new purpose through our new identity. We were once dead men walking, right? Every single one of us. I know that the common idea that we like to have is that we're all good people, but scripture really, really throws, you know, throws a dart at that and just says, no, no, you're not. We're not all good people. We're all sinners. And because we were sinners, we were all enemies of God. We were all sons of disobedience. And it says we were sons of wrath, right? In Ephesians. But God gave us a new identity through our salvation in Christ Jesus. And this new identity is now his sons and daughters through adoption for eternity, right? And now we live in a new relationship with God. We live live in this new righteousness with God. And we're able to have uh, communion with him. And we're called to have communion with each other. And now today what we're going to look at are... How is this, is how God has gifted his church and given his church the resources necessary to be able to serve God and serve each other, right? We're going to look at the motivation behind it. We're going to look at the purpose behind it. Those are the two things we're looking at today. And just so that you know, this was birthed from uh, reading the book of Exodus once again and, and, and really just uh, being, just, just standing in awe of God and being astonished at God's goodness with his people. Because as I was reading the book of Exodus, I realized that these people were without their God in their minds and hearts for hundreds of years. They were so far apart 
from him, yet he was still near. He comes in and he saves him out of Egypt and he takes him into the desert. Yet in the desert, he calls them his own and he calls them to serve him. But what really stood out to me was that God never asked them to do anything that he hadn't prepared them for, given them the resources they needed uh, in order to do those things. And, and, and it was amazing to see that. Uh, I was astonished that when they were building the, the, the tabernacle in the desert, Moses says, or God tells Moses, go to the people and tell them that we need metals, we need jewels, we need stones, we need, uh, we need material, we need cloth, we need all of these things to make this tabernacle. And, and, and as the people began to come down and give these things, God tells Moses, okay, enough, it's, it's enough. Tell them they can stop giving and they had to put a stop to it. But church, realize that the only thing they were giving were the very things God had given them as they were exiting Egypt. Let me say that again. The only things they gave were the very things God gave them as they exited Egypt. And so once again, we see that God provided every single thing they would need in order to serve them in that task. God gives them the law and the book of Moses and understand that the law and the book of Moses is every detail they needed in order to be in relationship with the holy God. God never asked them to do anything they weren't prepared for or that something they hadn't been instructed to do. And so in our lives, I think a lot of times when, when we come to God and, and we have this great relationship with God, two things happen. Number one, we can come in a very selfish mindset, right? In a very prideful mindset, thinking to ourselves, I don't have anything to give. Why would I serve the church? And you're saying, well, pastor, that's not, very, that's not very prideful. Sure it is, because you're putting your ability to serve God in your own hands, and you're not seeing that God is the one that provides what you need in order to serve him, right? On the other side, we'll say, well, I'm never going to do for free what I do for a living. Really, with the very talent and gifting that God gave you? You would withhold that from God in this life and in our community, in our church community? Those are the types of questions that we're going to wrestle with today. And here we go. Let's go into 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God... Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And the very first thing here that we look at in 1 Peter, and, and let, me, let, me, let me unpack the context here a little bit. What Peter was writing about was, uh, in this context, we're looking at the idea of, of believers who were scattered throughout the area because they were being pursued and persecuted for the very gospel that we teach today, right? And so what Peter is saying is he's telling these believers who live in these areas, he's saying, hey, if, if you see other believers coming into your city without question, without murmuring, without grumbling, without any bad attitude, open your, your house to them, give to them, su uh, supply for them, be of help toward them, serve them. But he says something, he says out of uh, earnest love. And so then the, the natural question for us to look at is what does this mean? What does it mean to love earnestly? Or another word that's used is fervently. And one commentator says that th this, this has the meaning of, of deep, deep love. 
And, and the, the word fervently uh, carries along the same idea as, as when they would talk about the, the muscles that athletes, the, the tenseness of the muscles of athletes as they were straining and striving to try to win a race. And so as, as deep and, and, and tense as that is, a Christian's selfless love and concern for others should be exercised to the point of sacrificial giving for the welfare of others. Okay? So the idea here is, is that out of our earnest love, deep love, deep-rooted love within us, we should want to serve others. So what, mot- what motivates us toward this type of service? It's the deep love we have for God. And as Jesus says, if you love him with all your mind, heart, and soul, then just like it, we should be willing to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. My question to you today is this. How many of us struggle with this idea? How many of us, the only, the only things we think about when we think about our resources, our talents, our giftings, the things that God has given us, the only people we think about are our very kids and the, the, the families that we have at home? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? We like setting up our families for success. We love giving to our families and setting up, you know, in, in a way, uh, a miniature kingdom for, for, our, for our family. Whatever we can set them up with, set them up for success, give them, give them, give them, give them. The problem, I think, within our culture is this, is that we give so much to our families at home that we have nothing else to give to the church and the body of Christ. Right? It's like a latte. You get a latte at Starbucks, And the goodness is below the foam. But the problem with a lot of us, and I know I can say for me, is that many times what I give God is not, it's not the actual latte, it's the foam on top. So my question to you today is, what are you giving God? How are you serving? Are you serving out of an earnest love? Are you giving out of an earnest love? Are you doing this toward God in sacrifice and worship? Here's what God says in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. He says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, right? Let us use them in prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. He says, but we're all members of one body, right? So why is the church so important to God? Well, because figuratively speaking, the church is the actual body of Christ, Christ being the head and the church being his body. And so when we are forsaking the body, we're also forsaking Christ, our Savior. And the question comes up is, okay, so if we are, in, are, we, if we are to live in this type of service, is it possible to be a, a living sacrifice unto God without serving one another in the body of Christ in the church? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. A lot of us, if you've been in church, we're familiar with this text. And a lot of us have thought of this text when we think about our sins. And we want to be a living sacrifice unto God. But let me give you some context. 
we just read verses four through eight or four through seven from this very chapter. So what Paul wrote right after he said, let's be a living sacrifice was what? To serve one another. And church, let me ask you a question now. Do you believe it's possible to be a living sacrifice unto God without serving the body of Christ? According to this text, I would say it's not. The only way to have, or the only way to have a lifestyle of, of sacrificial worship unto God is to be willing to be selfless with the resources, the talents, and the gifting God has given you in order to serve his body. Because the body of Christ is very important to church. So we've looked at the motivation. We've looked at the, 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 one of the motivation that, that we should have within us. Now look, let's look at the purpose. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, here's what Paul writes. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the, of the spirit for what? The common good, okay? Now, if you're not familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 7 or chapter 12, uh, let me explain it to you a little bit. In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is beginning to teach and outline his teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the body, in the church. We don't have time to go through all of the individual gifts, but what I did want to point out to you is the purpose of the gifts, right? The purpose of the gift is the common good. The common good being the common good of his people, of the church, the giftings and, and that God has given us through his Holy Spirit were never meant to be used individually and for only individual edification, right? It was meant to be used as an individual within the body of Christ to produce communal edification. That's where we get the statement that individual sanctification should lead us to communal edification. There is no way I can say I'm growing as a believer in God when I'm not participating in serving and helping the edification of the saints. Because that's the purpose of why God brings us together. He brings us together to help one another, to love on each other. And I think that during COVID, I think a lot of us uh, began to understand why this is so important. Because during COVID, we know that what began to be so prevalent was depression depression because we were no longer getting together. We were no longer communing with each other. We were no longer congregating, as the scripture says, not to forsake the congregating of the saints. We were alone. We were isolated, left alone to deal with our own troubled thoughts and ideas. And we didn't have a community to come together with, to pray with, to, to, to hear each other out, to talk with, to speak truth into one another. Because the truth is, is that even I, when I'm left to my own thoughts, can be led by my own lies. But I know that when I'm with my brothers and I'm in, I'm in, I'm in communion with them and I'm present with them, I know that they will challenge me in the truth of the word because they understand that their call is to help edify the body of Christ. And that's why this is so important. Let me speak into your life a little bit. If you're that person that has always thought you have nothing to give, let me tell you, it's not true. Because your service to the church, your helping edify the church, it doesn't rely on you. It relies on him who gives graciously to each and every one of us. It relies on him who gave his life on the cross 
to forgive our very sin and to create a way for us to be able to relate with the pure and holy God in this life and in turn be able to relate and love on others. That's, it's about him, not about you. It's about him and not about me. You know, the only reason that I get to stand here and preach is not because I'm some great guy, because I'm not. You can ask my wife afterwards and she'll tell you all the flaws I have. I have many. I have many. The only reason I'm here and I get to do this is by the very mercies and grace that God has extended toward my life. That's the only reason. I am nothing without him. I can't speak a lick of truth without his word. I can't be driven to love you without his spirit. I can't be driven to compassion without him. I can't be led to be patient without him. I can't be led to give without him. That was one of my struggles for a very long time. I didn't mind giving my time and my talents. I didn't mind giving the things that, 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 that people could praise me for. But the one thing that I was supposed to do in secret, I had a really hard time with. And I never wanted to give. And God had to work on my heart to let go of the very things that I didn't want to let go of. I'm just as broken as, as everyone else. And that's why I say I only stand here by the very mercies of God. That he surrounded me with men who were willing and people who were willing to love on me in truth and not leave me in my own sin. They were willing to challenge me. But it took them trusting God and his word to speak into my life. And just like they did it for me, church, God is calling each and every one of us to do it for others, to do it for each other. A while back, I, I mentioned in a service, I said, turn to, the, turn to your left and to your right and ask yourself, when was the last time I spoke I, or I prayed for one of these people within my own prayers at home? See, the, the love that we have toward God should lead us to want to love each other. The love that we have toward God should want us to be a part of the edification of the very body of Christ that we have been asked to be a part of. can hear a pin drop right now. You're falling asleep. There's coffee outside in the foyer. Jesus did this very thing for his church. Jesus not only gave his life for us on the cross, not only did Jesus live a perfect life so that when God looks upon us, he doesn't see our sin, but he sees his righteousness. Jesus didn't only go to the cross and give his life to his very last breath and be separated from the Father for the very first time so that a sinner like me would never have to be separated from God. But even as he resurrected, he spent time with his, with his disciples, with his apostles, and he taught them and he, he built them up and he edified them so that when he would go to sit at the right hand of the Father, these people, these men, these leaders would be ready to go and spread the gospel throughout the known world. Not only did Jesus spend time with them and raise them up, but Jesus also gave to us prophets, teachers, pastors for the very purpose of the edification of the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says this. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of what? 
of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Church, every passage we've just read, everything that we've centered on today has been for the very purpose of edifying the church. Everything we have can be used for this purpose. And Jesus did it so beautifully and continues to do it day in and day out. That's why he's our perfect high priest, our mediator before God, because he knows exactly what we need and he's already given it to us for us to be able to grow mature and mature as believers as he continues to edify and build his church. You know, a common thought is that the ministry is that of the pastors, but it's not. According to this passage, the ministry is yours. Yours. Our job is to edify you, to build you up in order to be able to minister to others. But within our hearts, there has to be a change, a paradigm shift where we think that our own little bubble is the most important thing for us. It's not. It's not. This is. Our families are very important. I will never take away from anyone shepherding and leading their household and mothers doing what they do at home. I will never take away from that. I'll never ask you to change your mindset on that. The only thing I'm asking you is don't throw the church to the wayside because the Bible doesn't allow us to. Scriptures don't allow us to. As a matter of fact, the entire New Testament is predicated on the believer living within the body of Christ. They asked Jesus, or they told Jesus, your mother and brothers are waiting for you outside. And what did Jesus say? My mothers and, bro my mothers and brothers are those that are within the kingdom of God. Jesus was already beginning to create a different mentality in them. That the eternal family of God is just as important. You know, the other day, my, my kids were going through a, uh, a devotion called uh, Am I My Brother's Keeper? And um, I got an opportunity to sit with them and, and listen to what they were learning throughout this devotion. It was really neat to hear them talk about how, uh, you know, one needs to be more patient, one needs to be more loving, one needs to do this for, for the little one, the other one needs to do this for the middle one, and then the middle one needs to do everything for everyone, you know? And <laughs> And uh, you guys can probably figure out who the middle one is. My son, yeah, the boy. Um, but it was so neat to hear them talk about that and to hear them begin to understand the importance of, of the family and the way that we treat each other. But as they were closing, I said, guys, I want to leave you with this. Our family isn't only within our four walls and the people sitting at this table. But my brothers and my sisters are also those that God has called to salvation in Christ Jesus. I said, kids, here's what I want y'all to think about. Here's what I want you to do. Everything that you've written down here that you need to do for her and you need to do for him and you need to do for the other one, everything you've written down here, I want to challenge you not to only do it here at the house, but to do it at church because they are our brothers and sisters for eternity. For eternity, those that have given their lives to Christ, we will celebrate the feast of the great, the great feast of the Lamb in heaven 
the wedding feast. We will celebrate eternity with our reigning king. We will see God himself forever endeavor with those people. What we're doing here is only meant to prepare us to learn how to serve them. So don't wait till eternity because we have a great opportunity now. And church, I want to ask you and I want to call you to this truth to say that you don't have to stop serving one another at home. You have a great opportunity and invite to function in the purpose God has given you. And that purpose is to help edify and equip the body of the saints. Don't leave your love and patience at home. Don't leave your gifts and your talents at work. But bring them here where we can serve one another for the very purpose of the gospel. That as we function as a body, we can grow together. We can do greater things together because the truth of the gospel will transform lives. And when someone is hurting, some of you are great with the gift of mercy. You can go and you can show them and you can love on them. When someone needs a place to stay, you're great at hospitality and you can open up your houses. When someone needs to laugh, some of you <laughs> are great at making jokes and making us laugh. But we all need one another. But we can't have one another if we're all thinking about ourselves. We have a greater purpose. Look around you. Take a minute, just look around you. This is your greater purpose. Right here. What can you do for each other? How can we serve one another with the very gifts that God has given us? So my point of the day is this. Because God prepares me to serve, I can fervently love the church in service. Because God prepares me to serve, I can fervently love the church in service. He's not asking you anything he hasn't prepared you for. He's just asking you to trust him and live in it. Let's pray. Father, you are a good, good, good father that has already looked down the road and you know exactly what we need and what the church needed and you provided every little thing for us. Father, I pray that our hearts could be changed and transformed, that our hearts could be led to want to serve the body, the very church that we're here worshiping and singing praises with. Father, help me let go of more. Help me give more of my time. Help me give more of my resources, more of whatever I have in order to best serve you. Lord, help me surrender all to you. Father, and I pray that that could be the prayer of my brothers and sisters here as well, that they could surrender all to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.